Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross-cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jang. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents, raising confident Korean American children. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Korean American Parenting Podcast. And hope you had a wonderful holiday break, headed to another holiday break. And if that means that your children are home for what has been the world's longest holiday break here in 2020, uh, we hope you're doing well. And we hope that you're finding a little bit of uh, community and uh, camaraderie as you listen to Jang and me talk to our amazing friends and experts about uh, how we can raise uh, amazing Korean American children, but also how to take care of ourselves. So really excited to have our guest on today who has been uh, in the parenting world, not only as a mom herself, but as a business owner and as a community organizer and so much more. And so uh, here is Jeng to introduce our guest for the day. Okay, well, Jenny, welcome to the show. Um, I just want to um, highlight that Jenny is not only a um, business owner, a community organizer, but mom of four children, all <laughs> under 10. Um, I have utmost respect for this woman. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, thank you for coming on to the show. Um, we're very delighted to have you on board um, today. Could you um, introduce yourself um, to our audience? Sure. Um, so my name is Jenny Kim. Um, my friends actually still call me Jenny Park. That's my maiden name. They like refuse to call me Jenny Kim, even now, 13 years after marriage. <laughs> um, I'm, as you said, I'm a mom of four. Um, I'm a businesswoman. I'm a marketer. Um, I'm sort of, you know, um, like a you know, I'm interested in so many different things. And so, um, you know, I've done many things in my life. Um, I've been into music, I played piano for, you know, 20 something years, like every other Korean American <laughs> person, I can play like all the instruments except the horn instrument, um, family, um, you know, I, have definitely been through my share of um, trauma as a Korean American um, child. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so I'm sort of here to talk about, you know, um, whatever topics you guys want to talk about um, that helps to empower um, more Korean Americans, especially parents. So, yeah, that's me in yeah no thank you thank you for a willingness <laughs> to be open and kind of um uh, be on board about empowering the parents and yes I agree that some trauma some good things out of Korean <laughs> some, American, good <laughs> some good things right <laughs> we want to say that um but you know one of the things that really kind of um stands out to me when I hear about uh, who you are is how you have so many little parts well only big parts that you juggle in your life and 
the most natural question is how do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so, I mean, you know, a lot of people ask me uh, pretty often, like, how do you manage like with, you know, multiple businesses and um, with having four children, you know, it's just a lot. Um, And like to that, I just say, you know, like anybody else, right. Whether you have one child or two children or, you know, no job at all. And you're a stay at home parent. I think, you know, we all just kind of carry the weight as it is. Um, And so you just kind of like move forward like everybody else. Um, I don't really think like there's anything special about me that I'm able to juggle all these different things. I just think, you know, it's, you know, the life that we've chosen intentionally to have a lot of kids and, you know, because we love children, we like having a big family. Um, and, you know, I'm just interested in many different things. And so I think, um, I just juggle it because it's enjoyable, you know, it's, it's, uh, keeps things lively. (laughs) Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun. Yeah. I I think that's actually really a good point, um, that you were saying that you, you enjoy a lot of things and you are interested in a lot of things because as a mom, I think, um, well, I can say that sometimes or most of the times I lose myself um, mm-hmm. as a person. And oh, yeah. the fact that you're, you're able to um, pursue what you're interested in, how many that, that interests are, is actually quite um, important and, yes, empowering. Mm. I think it's always a struggle, right? So I think it's impossible to have it all. And mm. it's impossible to carry you know, all of these responsibilities and constantly be good at everything at the same time. So I think, you know, there's a lot of times where like, you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm like failing as a parent. Like I'm going to scar my kids for life because I am, you know, not able to give them the full attention that I can because I have to work or I have to do this and I have to do all these things and I got to juggle everything. But at the same time, I think like, that's just sort of part of life, right? Like, it almost feels sometimes like the grass is always greener on the other side, right? So if you're like, you know, I've had a period in my life where I really didn't work, right, for for several months. And so I would just be home with my, my kids. And, you know, there was sort of the sense of like, oh, my gosh, this is like even harder, right, to be home, like juggling everything just at home. And it's so not fulfilling in the way that I, I need it, like for my soul, right, because I want to do other things too, right? Not just do this. And so um, I think like, there's always just sort of this like tendency for humans to be like looking at other people and comparing and seeing, you know, like I have this and, um, you know, and that person has that and, you know, and, and comparing life lifestyles and things like that. But I think that's where like we, sort of then run into this like dangerous territory of like comparing right and so I think this um in parenting I think like the key to like keeping sort of like an even keel sort of like an even tone throughout parenting is to just kind of like be grateful I think for the small moments, right, that you have as a parent, oftentimes, I think like, you know, we, so we, we get so caught up in like, you know, the stresses or the stress points or whatever. But like, if we keep doing that, like, there's no way that we can juggle, right? Like, we're always going to be. It's the little moments that you need to kind of uh, really kind of slow down and pick up breath and then yeah that kind of keeps yeah. you going yeah right and I think that's where you sort of start to find balance and then like you know and then then it becomes easier to like 
keep up with who you are, right? And not like lose yourself, right? You, I think if you bury yourself too deep into these issues that, you know, we all sort of struggle with, you end up like just kind of losing it, losing all of it, including like your own like identity in that, right? A really good point of being grateful for little things in your life. I think that's what really grounds you um, to, to be able to juggle things. I think when you're grounded, then you're uh, in kind of um, mindful of your moments. That's when you're able to do more and your potential gets bigger. Um, One of the things that um, I did not um, include in your introduction, and I was thinking that you would, is that Jenny is actually leader of one of the biggest Facebook group I know, (laughs) at least. Um, (laughs) uh, It's called Parenthood Together Facebook group. And is it like, what, 13,000? Yeah, so right now in our main group, so we have two groups on Facebook, we have Mm -hmm. one that is a like just a community where you can ask questions about anything related to parenting. Um, So that one is, I think at about, you know, 13,000 growing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we have another group, um, which is sort of like our sister group is um, mainly product focused, because we often get questions about, you know, what are the best you know products to buy for these certain types of needs that we have as parents but also just like you know household goods and you know things that we would shop for on a daily basis even not as parents um so we created this group um to sort of just talk about products um and just gain you know insights about you know what products are the best and what are the recommendations are there you know, um, like right now, I think, you know, a lot of people are doing holiday shopping. So we have suggestions on on those things. So we have that. And then on Instagram, um, we also have a pretty strong following. Uh, I don't remember what the count is, but something, I don't know, 16, 17,000 people who are actually, most of them are not on our Facebook group, which is (laughs) funny. (laughs) Like it's like completely different type of following. Uh, which is very interesting. Um, but yeah, so we have we have a good, yeah, number of people. Yeah, it, it, it sounds, I mean, apparently together seems to really bringing people together and kind of really, you know, um, help um, parents navigate the parenthood um, without feeling lonely. Yeah, I mean, so the genesis of the group, right? Um, so I created it about, I want to say maybe six, years ago or so. Um, And so the reason why I created it is because as a first time parent, um, for me, I was the first one of my friends to get pregnant, get married. Um, You know, um, so for me, it was like very lonely, right? Like I didn't really have anyone to ask questions to about these types of things. Like, you know, sleeping, like, is it normal for my newborn to be like grunting all the time? Like, you know, I don't know if you remember that. Like, as as a first time mom, you're like, is this normal? Is that normal? You know, are they like, is the penis supposed to look like this? Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, is my child like, gonna be okay if I like face them like down? Or do they have to be, you know, like, am I swallowing them correctly? Is it too tight? Not too tight. And so like, you know, as a first time parent, you have all these crazy questions in your mind, because you don't know if you're doing it right, and you want it to Mm -hmm. be perfect. And so I would Google these questions like late at night after my kids have, you know my baby has gone to sleep about sleep training and like you know everything that I found was 
very like judgmental and like oh. very like you know and this was like 10 years ago right so the internet was a very different place there were also very limited number of people, mm-hmm. like places you can go to to get advice and so a lot of the times you'd have like these forums where like you'd see like the worst case scenarios <laughs> And so oh, it that's was terrible. Just, it was just like the worst. And so I was like, okay, like when Facebook started to have this thing called groups about 10 years, I think six, seven years ago, um, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I had something like this. Right. And so I was like, you know what? Like my friends by this point, I was like, uh, um, I had two kids, I think. And so around this time, I felt a little bit more confident. My, my friends were now having children of their own, and they were asking me questions about what to do. Um, what should I put on my baby registry? You know, all sorts of like little questions here and there. And we would just, you know, do group chats or like just email back and forth. And I was like, you know what, like, let's just create a group. Like Facebook has this new thing. Let's see where it goes. And so I invited like maybe 50 of my friends who I you know, thought would enjoy this type of thing. And then, you know, they invited their friends. And so like really the premise for the first five years was that you have to have an invitation from somebody to get Mm. into the group, right? It was very like tight knit. Um, And it was very important to us to like keep the environment very like non-judgmental. And so people are very like kind to each other and just very respectful, even when they like disagree, most cases. Um, You know, we've obviously had like a few cases here and there, but in general, like everyone like really knows the rules and they're very like respectful. And it's just, you know, even today, I don't, I don't belong to any other parenting groups on Facebook that have that level of like respect and kindness that they, you know, are just kind of abide by right at all times. And so, um, yeah, I love the group. It's been great for me. It's sort of evolving a little bit because you know, some of the parents who are, you know, parents of babies back then are now starting to parent like on a different level, kind of, you know, like me, right. And so mm-hmm. um, you're starting to see more questions about teenagers and like, you know, um, what to do in situations where like kids are now talking about more adult types, types of things. Puberty, that's, that's a, like, yeah, that's a whole you know, other level, level of difficultness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, it's, it's really nice to sort of see this involvement and also to see like the more experienced parents giving advice to the like sort of the newbie parents um, and like giving support, you know, in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just a community of people who are just alike, but also like in the different stages of parenting now, now that it's been there for a long time. And it's yeah. uh, probably a very collegial kind of feel. Um, yeah yeah jenny talk to us about how the group has evolved um through 2020 because Mm. well we've all experienced it together i think a lot of your members are concentrated in the northeast corridor which obviously makes Mm. a whole lot of sense um, given Mm. where you are we also know from our own experiences and observation as well that digital engagement and community building has skyrocketed during 2020 as yeah. our opportunities to go and connect with people in person have, have gone away. Um, mm-hmm. How have you seen that reflected in your own group, not just from a activity perspective, but has the course or tone of the conversation changed at all to match sort of yeah, what's going on um, in the universe? 
Absolutely. So I think, um, you know, we've sort of dealt with it together as a community in a lot of ways. Um, so obviously there was much more activity in the group and also um, the sort of like need of just parents in general to want to connect with people I think has intensified through um, the pandemic and uh, quarantine. Um, a very, very um, like hot topic, I guess, in the group recently has been around education, right? So, you know, um, what's happening in the schools? How are you coping with remote learning at home? What are some of the things that you guys do to, you know, maybe set up your home offices, even for the grownups? You know, how do you work from home? How do you divide up the time? Um, and just people just like supporting each other through, um, like even today we had a, um, an anonymous post where, you know, they just, somebody just needed to vent about how they, you know, um, caught COVID, right? Um, and how they feel like, you know, people are sort of blaming them for, you know, inadvertently exposing, you know, people in their community. And, you know, just the person just needed to kind of vent a little bit to say, you know, I, I think it can happen to anyone, you know, and I didn't intentionally do this to harm people, but it's just, you know, I was in the hospital and I must have contracted it there. I had no symptoms and I'm still asymptomatic. And so, you know, and a lot of the people in the group, of course, you know, read this and say, you know, I've had it, you know, I've been through it. You're going to be okay. Um, some other people, are, you know, show support by saying it could have happened to anyone, you know? And so I think, um, just the conversations have absolutely been very supportive. Um, I think that's across the board. Um, and also people have engaged more. I think our engagement levels have gone up a lot. And it was already pretty strong as, as it is. But, you know, our commenting and, you know, um, um, you know, likes and all those like statistics definitely has gone up. Um, and I think, you know, it continues to be like a safe haven where people can talk about um, and talk openly about some of sort of these struggles that they're having that they can't really say to anyone else because a lot of people that they, you know, have in their circle may not be able to relate to what's going on on this level. So, um, you know, I think we are definitely keeping people sane, more sane <laughs> throughout the pandemic, I'd like to hope. Being in that kind of safe haven, I think also it helps to people to show their vulnerabilities um, mm -hmm. and in a way that strengths, strengthens them. And yeah. uh, at the moment of vulnerability, right? Um, that's when yeah. the strength comes through. And it, um, I think that's probably the biggest um, advantage of having that kind of community um, that you've created. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. absolutely. One other thing I did want to mention is that, you know, um, uh, there was a, a program, actually, this is the way that I actually met Jerry. Jerry um, had heard about uh, a program that we created called Feeding Heroes during the pandemic. Oh. And so um, through a friend, and so then Jerry put it on his podcast to, you know, um, help, I guess, promote and get the word out that we mm -hmm. were, you know, seeking donations and things like that. And so, um, you know, the uh, goal of this program was to to support healthcare workers during the pandemic by providing meals. And so we were very successful with that. We, you know, raised over, you know, $80,000 wow. um, and, you know, provided over 8,000 meals um, to both healthcare workers, but also to vulnerable communities around New York City. Uh, really the genesis of like where this program came from was 
um, this group, the parenting together group, right? So, you know, I was just thinking, okay, like, I feel so anxious right now, because like, you know, we can't go anywhere, we can't do anything, we can't really um, be helpful in any way, because we can't like go out and do anything, because we're afraid to expose ourselves to COVID. What is the one thing that I could do with my resources. And so I was thinking, I was like, well, you know, I have this group, this amazing group called Parented Together, where, you know, we literally have thousands of people who probably are feeling exactly the same way that I'm feeling, that they want to do something to help, but they just like, don't know how right now. And so, um, you know, I put it out there, I like did a Facebook Live in the group, which I never do. I've never really like put myself out there like that. Um, But I put it out there. And, um, I said, guys, you know, what do you guys think about, you know, doing this type of program? And, you know, the response was overwhelmingly positive. And so then the very next day, I just started, you know, putting this, the pieces to this program together. And um, the rest is kind of history, you know. Um, and so like, I, you know, I really do believe that this community isn't just like, you know, another parenthood group or parenting group um it's really a tight-knit community where like people like there are really good people in the group who really care about serving the community um you know and have you know really been the catalyst to raise like eighty thousand dollars to to help people during one of the most difficult times that we've all experienced so um yeah it it must have been like really kind of really proud moment, I think, because this is like a group that you've cultivated for many, many years. And then now you're channeling that energy into really giving back. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty, I mean, that's amazing. And it's also yeah. not only is good for them, but also good for people who have um, contributed. Cause I think that's really something that you've done when you feel so helpless. Oh yourself. yeah. I feel very, yeah. I feel very proud of I think what we've put together and just the people that make up the community are yeah, really great people. Talking about strength uh, of Miss <laughs> Jenny, um, I um, recently heard about your um, cancer diagnosis and I, I know that we talked a little bit that um, it's okay for you to talk about it, but mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted to kind of give you um, time to talk about what it means for you right now and how you're doing and how that's, you know, may have affected your life in, in a way right now. Yeah. So, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, early stage, stage one, luckily, um, back in July. So as I was folding up and shutting down the feeding heroes program, because the pandemic was, you know, becoming a bit better here in this area, um, I went for a routine checkup, got an MRI, and then it turned out that there was something suspicious, right, on the scan. And, you know, even then I was like, you know, there's no way like that this is anything to worry about. I'm 37 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I just didn't even think that that would be possible at this age. Um, but you know, so then I went in for a biopsy a couple weeks later and, you know, of course you know, they confirmed that it was cancerous. And so um, I think that moment was really devastating. Um, I really, my mind went to the worst places. And, you know, as a mom of four, of course, you know, your first thought is, oh my gosh, like, am I going to be here for my children? You know, and if I am, how long do I have? Like, you know, like, 
I, um, you know, thought about like writing letters and, you know, documenting everything for my kids so that like, if I'm not here, that, 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 you know, they'll be able to, you know, open up a journal or something and be able to, you know, just know like how much their mother loves them. And, you know, and so I went through this like really rough period. That's Um, a lot of thoughts in one go. Yeah. (laughs) So I went through that and I think it's, you know, all like uh, sort of normal things that people go through, especially parents, um, you know, but having young kids and getting the diagnosis was just like really devastating, not just for me, but for, you know, I'm sure my husband, my whole family. Yeah. Um, so after the diagnosis, um, within a month, I went in and I um, decided to get a bilateral mastectomy, which is basically the removal of both mm-hmm. breasts. Um and, um, and then after that, you know, I took a maybe about four to six weeks to recover. And then right after that, I was um, given the recommendation to undergo chemotherapy. So I started the chemotherapy treatments in September. Um, and I'm still undergoing them. I'm more than halfway through I have three um, therapy sessions remaining. So I should be done if all goes well by the end of the year. And then after that, um, I do have another surgery that I have to undergo. Um, it's, it's an exchange surgery yeah. for reconstruction. Um, and then I also am going to be doing an ophorectomy, which is basically the removal of ovaries and fallopian tubes to minimize my risk of cancer. And so, um, you know, it's it's been a lot, right, within this year yeah. because we have the pandemic and all the stresses from that. Then, you know, the cancer diagnosis and going through that. And then on top of that, you know, um, we have remote learning yes. <laughs> with the kids, um, you know, and, you know, the funny part is like, you know, throughout <laughs> this whole time, like, I'm a very like controlling person, I think. Right? I never <laughs> oh, thought that I was. You're admitting that? <laughs> <laughs> but um you know, this year has really taught me a lot in terms of like who I am and like my tendencies for, uh, for certain things. And so, you know, I've come to find out that there are so many things that I really just like needed to have a handle on and have control over to feel happy. Um, and, um, one of those things is like, I think, you know, education for my kids. Right. So as a Korean American, I think you just are like ingrained to like, it's in your blood. Like, like, so like, I don't think I'm like a tiger mom, but like, I'm definitely like, there's like maybe half tiger mom in me where like, I have like that yokshim, right. Mm -hmm. Of like, you Mm -hmm. want the best for your kids. You want your kids to be, you know, like, you don't want to be like, like, I don't want to be like my mom where she was like, okay, like you have to do this and you have to do that and be like, like very militant about certain things that like the kids but, have to but do. But don't you feel like, don't you feel like it's there when you're, but it's there, you know, yeah. it's definitely like looming. Right. And so like, for me, it's like important to me that like they get a good education, that they feel, um, you know, that they um, are like, you know, I guess, multifaceted, if you will, like Mm -hmm. with music and sports and these other things, I want them to have like a well-balanced, you know, life. Um, And I want them to be able to like explore different talents that they might have, right? And, you know, we can't really do music lessons now. We really Mm -hmm. can't, you know, online, online schooling is like, 
crap. It's very hard. It's so <laughs> it's hard. Really... It's more like it's more like I, uh, you know, I don't have a I don't have a school age ch- children, but I do uh, see school age children in my practice, mm. and it's mostly parents doing the virtual schooling, right? right. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's very frustrating. Yeah, it's it's really mm-hmm. frustrating um, to to see like your kids not really you know, doing the things that like you would want them to do normally, right? Um, so they're not doing any sports, like, you know, they're really just home hanging out. Um, you know, they visit their uh, online classes here and there. Um, and constantly, like all day, we're like, why are you leaving your class early? Go back to your class, go back to your class, you know, and there's like three kids who are like doing, you know, going back. So and you're forth busy, and you're distracted. Crazy. But, you know, to kind of come back to this like controlling thing is like, you know, I would have loved to be able to control every aspect of the schooling thing, right? It would have driven me crazy, driven me crazy. But at the same time, like, I love to like know that like, okay, all the pieces are set you know, all the homework is done, all the check marks are, you know, checked off. Um, but I'm unable to do that now, right. So as a cancer patient undergoing treatment, like, you know, I have chemotherapy every other Friday. And then for about a week, I can't do much, Mm -hmm. you know, I really just for the whole weekend, I'm like in bed, you know, trying to just cope with the symptoms and trying to get through. And um, by like Monday, Tuesday, I have a little bit of energy, but I still can't really keep up with everything, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so then my husband has really taken on this like role of like, you know, making sure that they have all the ducks in a row. And I mean, you know, obviously, he's not going to do it the way that I want him to do it, <laughs> right? because he's his own person, right. But like, I think there is this like, newfound like appreciation for like I didn't even know my husband was capable of like being able to manage so much at the same time because he has a full-time job that's extremely demanding he works at a bank um and um like he's even before COVID like even before um cancer he was on zooms like all day you know trying to take out fires and just you know and so he was already juggling a lot but now it's like he's doing that He's making three meals a day, you know, for oh, the wow. kids, me, every like taking care of everybody. Um, you know, he's dealing with like all the doctor's appointments that we have to go to. Um, I'm, I mean, you know, he's just like really blown it out. That's you know of the park, and like I just never expected my husband to do that. I kind of underestimated him. Um, I still so complain. So like I'm not say. I don't I don't think I've actually like said this to him right but um, oh yeah he should listen he should listen to the podcast like Korean, yeah yeah he should listen to right? um but I think it's also a Korean thing right where like you're like not like verbally mm-hmm. like um like Ver- not verbalizing emotions good positive yeah. reinforcement positive emotions right it's a lot of like the negative like what you're doing mm-hmm. wrong or what you're not doing you know but um you know I think overall like he's like really amazed me in so many ways um so you're you're really counting um the, the you know gratitude in your life mm. and, but, but what I'm also hearing is like you know um your dynamics within the family have shifted oh, um, so much. you know yeah. and you've you're able to kind of go along with that shift um um how are your parents how are your kids in that dynamic shift and how are they doing 
So my parents, so my parents are still working, right? So they are, um, they own a dry cleaners, like every other Korean American person. Um, they've worked so hard um, all their life. My mom, actually, she's also a breast cancer survivor. Oh, wow. um, so it is her, her hereditary. Um, there's, uh, we actually have a genetic mutation mm -hmm. um, called the BRCA2. Um, which gives you sort of this like elevated risk of having mm -hmm. breast cancer in your lifetime. Um, but anyhow, that, so mm. I think that that brings a lot of different, that must have brought a lot of feelings for your mom when, when she, when oh, she found yeah. out about you. Yeah. Oh yeah. So when I found out that I had the genes, so this was like years ago, um, she was devastated when my, my sister found out that she had the genes. Um, like my mom was like crying to me, you know, I don't know what her, um, reaction was to me having it. Right. Because like, she would never cry in front of my sister about her <laughs> diagnosis, you know what I mean? And so I don't know if like my mom cries to my sister, you know, when I, she found out that I had it too. Um, but you know, she was definitely very upset about it. And I think there was a lot of guilt like around mm -hmm. that. And then like, for me too, as a mom, I look at my daughter and like, there are times where I look at her and I'm like, I hope you don't have this thing that I had, you know? And, um, and I just like worry about that, honestly, right? Um, but, you know, sort of to go back to my parents and the dynamic, um, they have been, I mean, amazingly supportive, even though they're working, you know, all the time. They, um, you know, after my surgery, they were all here for days. Like my mom would, you know, my parents, both of them, they would you know, finish their shift at their dry cleaners at like 7pm, 8pm, and then they'd come to my house, which is, you know, not that close, you know, so they come every day just to check on me. My sister was here for two weeks, two weeks, um, just to make sure everything was going okay. Um, you know, it really brings the family closer. Um, but you know, interestingly enough, like as Koreans do, we don't really like talk about like the illness it's just like how are you feeling today you go moko you go moko you know like yes food it's food right that's like the sort of the way right that sort of heals everything and like sort of the indication or like the the meter it that that they use to see like if you're feeling good like mm -hmm. if you're eating well and if you're eating the food that i'm making you then you must be well right and so there's a lot of that um but um it definitely has brought the family closer um, all of us. Um, and, you know, me and my mom in particular, I think we have definitely shared, like, now we have this bond of like, okay, like, what was your experience like with, you know, this, this and that. And like, you know, and like, she's really the only person in my family who would understand what chemotherapy oh, yeah. feels like, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you see it from the outside. And I think there's a lot of like, sadness, being like, um, someone who's like spectating and looking and watching, you know, this person suffer through it because I, you know, I was a spectator when my mom was going through it. Sure. Right. But I think like living it and being in it and like feeling all the same feelings um, definitely has brought us to like this mutual understanding of like what this thing is. Um, so it's brought us closer it sounds like it, um, you know, you're right. Like you don't, we don't talk 
directly about, well, I love you. I feel bad that I feel guilty. You know, these are not the words Mm -hmm. that come out of mouth, but by doing things. And I think there is this understanding and uh, of like, you really love me. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're going to, you're going to go to the end of the world for me. Yeah. Um, And I I think that, I think that's what you're re-feeling, I think, you know, uh, by, having this uh, dynamic change and your parents being really invested in you, in you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. would agree with that. Can you tell yeah. me about, um, well, I, I think first, um, ever since we connected online, I've um, had the great honor of just seeing you go through this and um, want to commend you on being bold and being brave uh, enough to share as much as you have about going through the journey, which uh, for somebody who doesn't know what that is like um, physically and emotionally, um, mm. it's been really empowering to see you go through that. So uh, first mm. of all, I want to say thank you. And um, not just for me, but I know other people who have and, and will continue to get inspired by your bravery and in being um, as, as open as you have, which I think is really awesome, particularly given uh, the community that you've built and the people that look to you as uh, a source of inspiration. Um, I, I want to ask you about the communication part. Um, so you and your mother have, I guess it's a, an unfortunate bond that brings you together. Um, you have a daughter of your own. Um, you have three other sons, obviously. And as, as we've, you know, um, made light of and often joke about, we don't, we're not very good at talking about stuff. No. And <laughs> while we often equate that to, not talking about our mental or emotional health, um, physical health definitely falls into that bucket for many families. Um, how has your perspective on that changed going through this experience, particularly having spoken to your mother about these things? And what are some tips and advice that you might have to share with other parents in either talking to their parents about difficult things? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are other parents out there who have an inkling that not everything is okay with our parents, mm, but yeah. they don't say anything and we don't ask. And that's sort of just the rule. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and also how has that changed the way you talk to your kids about difficult issues and difficult topics that many of our parents, well intentioned as it may have been, never talked about stuff because shielding us from mm. bad stuff took a priority over let's get rid of the ugly stuff out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so I guess first to answer your question about the dynamic between, um, my parents and and me, um, you know, I can't speak for all Asian Americans, <laughs> all Koreans, but I do think that it's very common for um, our parents' generation to be either very like hypochondriac and they like, you know, they do a lot of this like, you know, um, like checking up on things or really the majority I think of that generation is really like, you know, about hard work, and like work very hard if you feel good you know if you move around then you're okay you know 60k you know like you you just like want like they, they I think they like take pride in like you know having good health and like being strong enough you know to do like you know work hard right but then um there's this sort of unspoken I don't know what it is about them but they just think that it's like you don't talk about it you don't look at the problem then there's no problem until it's like too late right um and so I think 
you know, with my mom, we never thought she would get sick, right? Because she was always like so energetic. And she even when she was going through chemotherapy, like she was still like everywhere, you know, like doing everything and um, very, she, she still stayed pretty active. Um, but I think after she got sick, we took healthcare much more seriously. So like, you know, in this country, you know, we have issues with, you know, having affordable health care, you know, and as um, small business owners, um, Korean Americans who um, really don't even think about like retirement savings and, you know, um, health care is like, you know, they just get like the most basic thing, right? Because like, it's not a priority for them. They just think that they're invincible, right? In a lot of ways. Um, that sort of shifted right? When my mom got sick. Um, and so they made sure that they had a better insurance policy um, where, you know, scans and things will be covered. Um, I think my, my mom um, also um, still struggles, even after having cancer, still struggles with like getting all her appointments in on time and like prioritizing her health and like really if she's feeling tired like not pushing herself too hard like she still does like she still kind of like ignores those things right and that's I think just like very much like ingrained in the way that they have lived their lives um and so a lot of the times like I feel myself like like to my parents you know to be like oh my like you have to like stop like just don't come over like you need to like you know rest after you know you do your thing at your store like you just have to rest at home I tell her that all the time but you know half the time she listens half the time she doesn't listen um there are definitely changes that they've made um where they um prioritize a little bit more but really I think it's so ingrained in them like you know the other day like um I'm telling my dad, I was like, you know, like my dad has like a little mole, right? Like that he's been like looking at, um, like on his like neck and, you know, it's nothing, it's fine. But I keep telling him like, you just get it removed, right? Cause just go to the dermatologist and get it removed. Like it's, it would just like take like five seconds, right? It's just like one appointment. And he's like, well, I, you know, like, she got up so, you know, I, I don't have any time. Like, you know, I'll do a waiter, you know? And just like, like little things like that, where they just, you know for them I think it's all about um work like the, like the work ethic you know and that like I can I can't stand it like I just you know I like so tough up it you know whenever I think about them um so you know I think it's a constant like pulling pushing right like they they pull that way I pull this way and I'm like you know you gotta you gotta take care of yourself um I think, I think like we're different, like we're like my generation is completely different where, you know, we're lucky enough to have health insurance, right. From my husband's employer. Um, we, um, you know, all my kids have like the best health plans possible, you know, and, and so they're always getting like their wellness checkups and they get, you know, we, we get all of these like routine checkups that we're supposed to get. Right. I was myself very proactive, um, and so um, when I found out that I had the genetic mutation, um, you know, I made my appointments throughout the year to make sure that I'm getting annual checkups, biannual bi checkups. And, you know, luckily because of that, I was able to find my cancer early, you know, in stage one. Whereas if I hadn't done that, right, if I was sort of like my mom's generation where, you know, I didn't pay attention to that, um, 
my outcome probably would have been different, right? Um, if I had found out, you know, at age 40, right, where most women get their first mammogram, that would have been three years too late for me, right? Yeah. So um, it's, uh, and like, you know, and even like before my parents' generation, my grandmother's generation, the science wasn't even available at that point. And I, you know, always look back, my, my grandmother died from ovarian cancer. Presumably, you know, she also had this genetic mutation as well because it increases your likelihood of getting ovarian and breast cancer. Um, but she, you know, found out way too late. She had stage three ovarian and she passed away um, really about five months after her diagnosis and her quality of life was completely, you know, um, it was tragic, you know, because she went to the hospital, she got surgery and then she had suffered from multiple infections and just, it was just, she didn't have, I think the knowledge or the resources or any of the things that I was blessed to have, right. To have the education and to have like these, you know, resources and places that I can go to get the screenings and to learn more about my diseases yeah. and to check, you know, so like the, the sort of the generational like differences mm -hmm. are so stark. I think, I think you're actually um, giving us very good example of, you know, we always talk about every generation, we are going to do better, right? A, a little bit mm. better. And uh, this, you're giving us a very concrete example of, well, you know, science have, um, have advanced, but also the way we take care of ourselves and, uh, and think of ourselves have improved. Like, you know, obviously yeah. your grandmother didn't have a chance at all and your mom, you know, um, I think it was her survival um, mm -hmm. to, uh, to have that kind of work ethics as an immigrant mm, parent. Yeah, and also part of it is having that face of strong face. Um, um, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, whereas now you, you have a better, even better ways of um, getting checked up. You're educated enough to know what you, what you're uh, looking for, but also knowing that you can, you should take care of yourself. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's part of like improvement, generational improvement. And, you know, your daughter is going to be even farther out in that, that line where mm -hmm. everything is improving both individually, but also science wise and uh, world wise. And I mm -hmm. think you're actually really delineating that, um, especially in our immigrant um, families. Yeah, yeah. So one other thing that I wanted to bring up, it, it, you kind of brought me like when you were talking about mm -hmm. my daughter, I started to kind of think about this. One of my friends who also actually has a BRCA mutation, mm -hmm. she's Korean, um, and it's very rare to have I was this, gonna say, yeah. Yeah, this genetic mutation as a Korean American, um, uh, because typically it's seen um in like the Jewish um mm -hmm. Ashkenazi Jewish lineage and stuff like that and so it's very rare I this is really I think like the one Korean person that I know that has it and so she was telling me she's like you know I didn't tell anyone about um my genetics because as a Korean there is a lot of this like shame culture of like you know like you don't want to talk about like the bad things right like ever about your family and especially to put it out there publicly is very like it's not Korean <laughs> it's not a you know first generation Korean thing to do 
Um, and so she was like, you know, like you're so brave to like put it out there because she, so she, her story is that she found out she has the mutation because her mother had ovarian cancer. Um, and then um, she decided to do like a prophylactic surgery to prevent every anything from ever happening for her, which is extremely brave. I wish, you know, um, I would have done that. <laughs> but, um, you know, she, she just got it done. And it was, you know, that's the way that she decided to care for herself. Um, but then she told me, she's like, I can't, I don't even talk to my friends about it. I don't tell my friends, I because I'm afraid that like, eventually, when my kids are of the age of like getting married, that like, they'll be like shunned right because they have this like mutation and like I was like you know like I never even thought about it that way but I was like that's really like a sad like way for us to I think like be right because like this like shame culture of like you know if there's something like bad about the family and like you know like I, I just I just I it's so anti I think me and that's like one of the things right like you know well, as, as a second generation like there's things that you want to take from our culture and like embrace it but then there are also things that you just want to like shove in the corner and be like this is not the way I'm going to do things right and so that like the shame culture is one of the things that I don't want any part of you know well yeah I think I think you're like a big representation of you know vault showing vulnerability is Mm. showing strength and that's what you're doing just even sharing the story with us and it is such a private uh, matter but you were I think this is a great time um, and platform and I'm almost so sure that so many women will feel so empowered uh, to know um, how normalizing this can be right it's it's difficult time and you're sharing that um I can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you. No, I mean, I think it's really important to share the story because I mean, it can't all be for nothing, right? Like if I just like keep this to myself, I think especially me being like a person who has like a social platform where people are looking to me for um, for advice and things like that. And for me to keep this and just to sort of like keep it to myself feels almost like selfish, right? Um, of course, I don't want to talk about being sick. And I don't really want to like put myself out there in some ways. But at the same time, doing so has already, I think, you know, shifted um, the mindset of the people that um, are surrounded in my community. To me, um, you know, I've had multiple people reach out to me to be like, hey, I just scheduled my mammogram, you just reminded me to do this. And you know, I'm going to be more thorough about my checkups. Um, and then other women who I really don't know personally, who have reached out to me, and now we're friends, um, who have said, you know, I, you know what, I was recently diagnosed, or I went through it too, or, you know, I have, you know, these, um, you know, concerns about my health. And so, you know, like to bring the awareness and to take away the stigma by talking about it more, um, I think, like, is sort of like, I feel like responsible in some ways to well, do I- that. I think even bigger, I think you're leaving your daughter a legacy that this is not a shameful thing. And I think mm. that's really big um, mm. when she grows up and um, to know that this is not shameful, right? Mm. Um, you know, I, it's, it's something that shows your mother's strength um, and that that's the strength that you receive from your daughter, uh, you know, your mother. So. Mm. 
Thank you. We talk a lot about um, modeling behavior for our children. Um, mm. And it's hard um, because we weren't modeled that. And given the situation of how they came to this country for many of them and under what circumstances they grew up in, I don't actually know if the gap from our grandparents raising our parents to our parents raising us is a bigger gap because there's war and other types of trauma involved there. Yeah. Or yeah. if it's the gap from our parents to great, like we often get so self-centered in the way that it just impacts us. But like our parents grew up from their parents who were occupied by Japan and then had mm. to go through war. So there was none of this. It was actually more urgent that it literally survived because they lost yeah. siblings and they lost. Right. And so yeah. for a lot of us were like, why can't we talk about this stuff? Why, you know, because we're, we're privileged yeah. and we're special and mm. we, we have to talk about mental health, but realize that that gap, like we're exponentially going leaps and bounds that very many other people in existence haven't really gone through. And so yeah. I think it takes bold people like you. It takes the decision to share because there is strength in vulnerability and it is not weakness. And so Jenny, I, I think we, as we, as we say with, many of our guests, we can probably talk for hours and we're going to have <laughs> you back on because um, yeah. <laughs> there's so many different things and, you know, um, that we want to share with you and then have you share with our audience about. Um, but as we leave off um, and, and say our goodbyes for now, um, share with some things that you've learned that you want to share with our fellow parents, especially as we head into the holiday season. Um, this mm -hmm. will air in the middle of December. Um, who knows what people's family dynamics are like, particularly given COVID and sort of the, mm. um, new dynamics that we're having to deal with now. Mm -hmm. um, what are some things that are uh, fresh lessons that you'd like to share out um, as we head into Christmas and the new year? Sure. Um, so I think, you know, for me, the biggest lesson that I've learned this year through cancer, through pandemic, through all these things is just to be grateful, right, for all of the things that you have and all the people that you have. And to take this opportunity to really appreciate those small things um, that you sometimes don't think about um, and call your mom, call your dad, <laughs> apologize if you need to. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think it's really the community, right? Community, uh, whether or not that's family or friends who are like family um, to keep them close, even if you can't physically be close. Um, and I think, you know, for people like me who are sick, right? So it doesn't have to be cancer necessarily, but there are, you know, just so many different, I think, health concerns that people have. And a lot of the times, because you want to see your family, you tend to kind of make excuses and be lax about, you know, um, social distancing and wearing masks. And, you know, you just want to see family. It's okay. They're not sick. They don't have any symptoms. Um, so, you know, I would just encourage people just to take all precautions. And even if you can't see your family in person, you can still do a Zoom. You can, um, there's many different ways to connect with them in different ways and to show appreciation and love. So um, I would just, you know, encourage people to be um, vigilant and safe um, as they get together for the holidays. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's been lovely being on the show today and I'd love to be back. So thank you guys so much for making the space and the time for me. 
Thank you. And we encourage everybody listening to join Jenny's group on Facebook and follow on Instagram. Um, you'll find a lot of good tips, uh, great community, and at least relevant for the next week as you're shopping for presents. Um, oh, yeah. They do a <laughs> we have lot a lot of, of great, yeah, a lot of great product recommendations, particularly of, of great value. And so uh, we encourage you to connect with Jenny over there. And um, if we take nothing else away from this time that we've spent with Jenny, um, it's better to have said something and to deal with that fear than mm. to let silence pass and perhaps live a long time with regret. Um, and if 2020 has taught us anything is that life is more precious than we thought and time is far more short, shorter than we ever thought. So um, Jenny, thank you so much. Um, it is now 1030 where you are. So shout out to your <laughs> kids for going to bed early. Shout out to your husband for um, letting us have this conversation. Big shout out to um, our families here on Jeng and my side for doing the same. Um, and so thank you so much. Be well. Um, we're recording this just before Thanksgiving. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and uh, wishing you health and safety as always. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Korean American Parenting Podcast. I want to thank our guest and for you for joining us today as we share our stories and our perspectives along our own Korean American parenting journeys. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Korean American Parenting and be sure to check out our website, KoreanAmericanParenting.com to learn more about the podcast, about us, and about our community. Please take a moment to rate and review this episode if you are listening to us on Apple and share this episode and this podcast with a friend or two in your life who you think would benefit from listening to us. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We wish you all the health and happiness as we go along our parenting journeys together. And we'll see you next time on the Korean American Parenting Podcast.